And we're live. We're live. All right. Welcome, Seattle fans. This is the Emerald City Fandom Podcast, episode one. I'm your host, Connor Fredrickson, and this is my co-host, Sam Hoganson. Say hi, Howdy. Sam. Howdy. Good to have you, sir. Uh, we are Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. Uh, excited to be with you um, and excited to start this journey on in our in our podcasting world. Uh, um, Sam, did you want to start off by telling people kind of about how we got started a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Connor and I, we go way back, both met at University of Washington, freshman orientation, actually. Connor was rocking a kick-ass Mariners snapback and i was looking to make some friends and so we hit it off and spent the next couple of years going to all uw sporting events football basketball softball all the works and you know we got towards the end of our career and figured that we spent enough time talking husky sports seahawks reminiscing on the good old days of the supersonics rest in peace Mm -hmm. Oh, and we figured sorry. we should get some get some thoughts down on paper and we started the Emerald City fandom blog. It's been a couple of years now and we figured with a new platform of podcasting we'd pick up where we left off and bring you all of the Seattle sports news and topics and insight that we have and resurrect Emerald City fandom. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm really excited about this. Um yeah, like Sam said, we go way back and uh, we are very used to shooting the shit over sports. So we we thought we might be entertaining enough for a listening audience, um, but I'm sure everyone will let us know if that's the case or not pretty quickly. <laughs> My mom um, will always tell me that I'm entertaining. So at least we got, right. yep. I know your mom would too. So we got two fans. Yep, we got two, we got two. I, and we both got wives. I mean, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen by choice, but we'll make them listen so that's right she uh caroline Um, my dear wife yeah she puts up with a lot of very long saturdays (laughs) particularly after we've lost to oregon many years (laughs) indeed we've we've uh yeah we've got two good ones hanging on to both of them i think um yeah so uh yeah, thank you for that that intro, Sam. Uh, gonna kind of go into just a little more personal note on on each of us. Um, first off, uh, again, this is Connor. Uh, I grew up in the Seattle area. Um, I've grown up here all my life, so grew up a big Seattle sports fan. Uh, my dad got me on Seahawks really early, but I was also a Husky fan from very early on. Um, and ended up going to UW, like Sam said, we met at freshman orientation. Uh, so uh, we really hit it off, um, mostly with our sports backgrounds, but also just as friends. Um, we've had a really good relationship over the last 10 years or so. Damn, and, don't say that. It's been yeah, that right. long, huh? It has <laughs> been that long. Yeah, I know. When we were supposed to have our 10-year anniversary this year, and it that didn't happen because COVID. Um but yeah, uh, and uh, now I'm now I'm uh, I'm married, and Sam's married, and uh, we're we're 
we're at different stages of our lives as far as that goes, or kind of, I guess, on par, same stage, but uh, both have houses and, um, but still, still, uh, still good friends and still like talking sports. So um, uh, I'm uh, currently uh, one of the, one of the fun things that we want to do each week is, is share with the people what we're, uh, what we're currently drinking um, just as a fun little, fun little thing to do. Uh, I'm currently supporting local. I'm sipping on some Ula uh, American made whiskey. Visit and give some love to Ula. They're a great distillery in the area, make great whiskey, great other liquors. Um, and yeah, I'll throw it to Sam to give her, him, give him the floor as far as just introducing himself. Yeah, well, I'll pick up where you left off. For those of you that are listening that know me well, it will not come to a surprise to you that your boy is sipping on some Jack Daniels on the rocks. That's the go-to around here. Uh, that's right. I, we had a nice backyard visit over at the Fredrickson house the other day and Connor was kind enough to share some Ula whiskey. It's good stuff. Pretty tasty stuff. Pretty tasty stuff. Highly recommend. So you should check that out. Um, but yeah, just kind of giving some background. We're not sponsored by them, by the way. No, we're not. Although if Jack Daniels is listening, hit me up. I'd be interested. That's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, a little bit of background. Similarly to Connor, I grew up here in the greater Seattle area, fifth generation Washingtonian, third generation Husky. You know, I, the doctors tell me that I came out the womb throwing up dubs. I've bled purple and gold my whole life. Um, my grandpa, it was always a big Husky fan. And my dad had me watching Husky games before I could really even talk or crawl. So I definitely grew up in a Husky household, Husky family, and that spawned a lot of, you know, fascination and interest in sports for me. Um, Grew up in the area, like I said, played a plethora of different sports and it's always had a big part of my life and obviously loved the Seahawks. My dad always did an awesome job getting me out to games, whether it was down to Husky Stadium or Heckhead to watch UW or all the way back again. Going to age ourselves here, Connor, but I'm sure you remember a couple of games at the Kingdom for the oh, Mariners absolutely. or the Seahawks and good times. Um, also spent a lot of my childhood at the Key Arena listening to Gary Payton talk, mm-hmm. talk some trash to the other players and the Rain Man. So definitely been fully immersed in the Seattle sports scene my whole life and like Connor said, married now, settled down into a house and we're both still in the area with probably no plans on leaving. We love it here and we love our sports teams as well. And happy that as we've both kind of grown a bit older, seems like Seattle sports has really kind of hit, hit their stride. We've seen some WNBA championships, a Super Bowl. We've seen a number Go of champions. That's right. Sue Bird clutch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know we mariners have kind of fallen off a little bit but that's for another episode i i think yeah we'll, t- we'll we'll probably give a little time before we talk about them yeah we got to ease let, ease the let, list let, let, let jerry make his make his magic over the off season though I, I will admit they have some young young exciting talent that i i don't think they're far off at this point so well i've heard that story before what's it been almost 20 years now so 20 years and counting 
That's right. So we will, we will open this podcast up to all Seattle sports, obviously given the time of the year, fall is football season. We love the Seattle Seahawks being Husky alum. We both have UW football really, you know, special place in, in our hearts. So that's where we're going to kick off the podcast, kind of have a Husky focus to it moving forward. And we'll dabble in some Seahawks stuff as well, I'm sure. But I guess with that, Connor, you kind of want to just give an intro into the general, you know, unique landscape of college football in the year of 2020 and world of a pandemic. 2020, what a year it has been. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sam. Uh, like Sam said, um, we're going to start this off by being kind of a Husky-centric college football podcast, uh, but we are Seattle fans of all things Seattle sports so um we we will talk really any sport um but we we obviously will, will want feedback from you guys on what you guys want to hear um that being said uh going back to the Huskies and uh just college football in general uh with COVID uh it's been it's been kind of a crazy year um to say the least and uh, it's obviously severely impacted all sports but uh college football especially um, and really, especially the Pac-12, uh, as we are going to be the last major conference, uh, Power Five conference uh, that is playing. Um, but that being said, uh, excited to have have Husky football back. Um, but uh, given given the circumstances, uh, we are in a we are in a weird year where uh, where the NCAA is has decided to grant every fall fall sport athlete um, a free year of eligibility basically this year. Um, so that's obviously going to have some impacts on um, some seniors that maybe don't have the talent to take it to the next level that maybe want to stay another year and continue their education into 2021. Um, and it also probably has some impact on some freshmen uh, that Maybe we wouldn't have seen playing time, but it's basically a free free year. It kind of depends, I'm sure, on the on team to team on if they're competitive or not, and if they want to get some of those guys some looks um, in some game settings in a year. That um, a lot of people are putting asterisks 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 next to. Um, but uh, um, yeah, that that being said, uh, um, as this pertains to. Uh, Husky football in general, um, we're entering a new era. Um, and uh, Chris Peterson, as most of you guys know, retired uh, from coaching back in December. That was announced in December. Or was it announced in late November? It was like shortly after the Apple Cup. It was yep. before the bowl game. I think it was just like two days after the Apple Cup. Yeah. So maybe late November, I guess that was, um, of 2019, uh, which seems like literally <laughs> decades ago, <laughs> long time uh, ago for sure. Yeah. Um, and obviously a super bittersweet moment. We've had some amazing times under, under Chris Peterson. Um, but, uh, uh, he has decided to hang it up and, uh, one of the, one of the 
bright spots, though, is we get to hold on to someone that we've been worried about leaving in Jimmy Lake, and he got elevated head coach. Yeah. Uh, very excited for the Jimmy Lake era. era. So, Absolutely. yeah, Sam, go ahead. We should talk about that a little bit more because that's a really cool story that, you know, I think was covered, but I think there's a shout out that needs to be given to Pete Kwiatkowski, who will be our defensive coordinator this year. So, mm-hmm. a little bit of background on how the coaching dynamics played out was when coach Chris Peterson came over to UW from Boise state, typical of most coaching changes. He brought his entire staff with him at the time. Coach K coach Pete Kwiatkowski was our defensive coordinator and Jimmy Lake was our defensive backs coach. The very highly sought after young, talented coach um, has background in the NFL ranks all throughout college football, played his playing years at Eastern Washington. So he's a Northwest kid. Um, and quickly began to get a lot of attention for the defensive backfields that UW had put out with Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, Kevin King, Taylor Rapp, recruiting, everything. So Jimmy Lake had the Alabamas of the world chasing him to be their defensive coordinator. And we knew that we were likely to lose him if we didn't do anything. And Pete Kwiatkowski actually took a little bit of a demotion from defensive coordinator to allow Jimmy Lake to rise to the defensive coordinator spot, which is something that you don't see in college football. It's a very selfless, um, really honorable thing to do. Yeah. I think this was the first time I'd ever seen it happen. Yeah. And so the last couple of years, Jimmy Lake has been our defensive coordinator and what Connor alluded to with Chris Peterson stepping aside, you know, it made sense to promote Jimmy Lake to head coach for a number of reasons, but that doesn't happen. And Jimmy Lake isn't here. If Kwiatkowski isn't, you know, selfless and really takes pride in coaching Jimmy Lake up and giving him the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator, um, which is, a really cool story. I think it's worth talking about. And again, going back to the start of a new era, Jimmy Lake has, he definitely has some edge to him, a little bit of edge that Chris Peterson maybe lacked in his, you know, longer tooth years as a head coach. And mm-hmm. there's some, there's some hype there and talking about the general landscape of how the season has changed. It's really a bummer because we gained a lot of momentum through the end of the 2020 recruiting class and Jimmy Lake was looking forward to starting off on the right foot with the spring game and load up Husky stadium. That didn't happen, but we all were holding out hope that come September 5th Husky stadium would be packed and we'd be taking down the big blue Michigan Wolverines in front of a home crowd. And again, another victim to coronavirus, that game never came to fruition. And so here we are, but, I think there's just as much excitement as ever to see what Jimmy Lake can do at the helm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Um, Yeah. Jimmy has, like you said, been one of the more sought after uh, assistant coaches um, or coordinators in general um, in college country. Yeah. In the country. Yep. I mean, it, he had, there, there's reports and rumors that he had offers from Alabama. Nick Saban really wanted him. Um, he's had offers from Oregon. I know um, throughout the PAC 12, 
uh, even being head coach, head yeah. coach op- op- opportunities, but he really wanted to stay on Montlake. Um, and a, a huge part of that, again, going back to Chris Peterson, is the culture that Chris Peterson brought, right? Like yep. the whole, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but, you know, the whole OKG and, you know, built, built for, for life. life program uh, has had a massive impact. If you watch any interviews with Jimmy Lake, um, you can tell how much Chris Peterson means to him and uh, the program that he built and how much he wants to really continue that and be a part of that tradition. Uh, so I think, I mean, it, it was really obviously a no brain hire, like, like, and I think there was probably some kind of stipulation there with Peterson yeah. stepping down that he wanted to make sure that Jimmy Lake was going to be the next coach to be able to kind of continue this, um, this, the, this amazing, you know, last five years or so, um, which I guess Peterson was six years, right? I think it was six, six, but I mean, especially like the last, like, four or five years have really been pretty incredible um, from, from a Husky fan perspective. So um, well, excited especially, to have especially for us. Right. I mean, yeah. Up I mean, until we grew now up, we, yeah, we grew we up grew in the, up he, pretty, he who shall not be named never right, yeah. on this podcast. Will that name be spoken? But for anyone that wants to know, it starts with Don't a he, T. Yeah. That's as far as we'll last go name, on that last subject. name W, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk about that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, and like Sam said, I mean, we the recruiting classes have gotten scary good over the last like two years, maybe even three years, and that's one of Jimmy Lake's biggest biggest things that he brings to the table is his recruiting, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we can dive into that a little bit really quick too. And one of the things you'll hear people talk about is a blue chip ratio. And what that means is a blue chip recruit is generally considered a high school player that receives four or five star rating on a scale of five stars being the best of the best. And if you look at the BCS championships back in the, the bowl game era and the college football playoff, series every single national champion has had a blue chip ratio of 50 percent or more which means 50 percent of the players on the roster were extremely highly regarded players and recruits coming out of high school and for the first time that i can remember washington is over that 50 percent mark and even furthermore we're the only pac-12 team that has a higher than 50 percent blue chip ratio and so to connor's point recruiting has picked up in a big way jimmy lake you know has had as big of a hand in that as anybody and so it'll be really fun to see if he can take that up to even a higher level as a head coach and moving into that closer role um so it'll be really interesting to see and that's one of the really fun things about this season with you know eligibility being thrown out the window it's a free year for everybody we have Mm -hmm. a really really young team extremely talented team and it should you know however the season ends up wins and losses wise it'll be an amazing season to watch some new players and some players that some players that you should get used to their names and they'll be around for a while so looking forward to that for sure 
Yeah, a lot of turnover in some key positions too, um, which we'll we'll get into in later episodes um, in more detail. Uh, but yeah, um, really really excited for excited for this Lake era to get going. Uh, we obviously didn't know if it was going to happen. Um, seemed pretty unlikely there for a while. Um, Pac-12 and Big Ten were two of the conferences very early to to actually call the season off as far as the fall season. Um, but um, with, with changes in their ability to get testing and all that, all, all that kind of stuff, uh, the, the course has changed for, for both conferences, the big 10 and the PAC 12. Um, but yeah, let's, let's give these guys just a little bit of the lay of the land as far as kind of what 2020 has looked like with college football so far, since there has been no PAC 12 season so far. Um, we have three major conferences that have played games so far uh, in the SEC, the uh, Big 12, and the ACC. Um, and, uh, I mean, Sam and I were talking uh, off mic a little bit before this just about how – is there going to be a Pac-12 team that realistically has a shot at the college football playoff at the end of the year? Um, and uh, if – you had asked that question before the season and even once the Pac-12 had decided to play uh, major consensus would be no there's really no chance I mean we're the last last conference to get going we're only gonna have a seven conference seven conference game schedule uh, that's typically not I mean it, it's a weird year obviously but compared to everyone else's resume that's not going to be a big enough schedule yeah. to probably make some noise most of the um, other conferences I mean, most of the other conferences will have 10 or 11 game seasons correct. and so yep. we're definitely but, playing you know, catch I mean, up yep absolutely it's an uphill battle right now but um i mean with with the way that things have gone over these first you know three or four weeks of college football um i would not count the pac-12 out do you want to go a little bit more into that sam yeah, for sure. I mean, the door has been cracked open. Like Connor said, you know, ask us the question if a 7-0 Pac-12 team would be able to weasel their way into the college football playoff with a much shorter season than some of the other teams out there. The answer would be absolutely not. But like Connor said, the way that the wins and losses have shaken out for the major conferences and some, you know, blue blood programs – the doors open and we can just go down the line. I mean, we can start with the ACC. They're still looking in pretty good shape. Obviously you have Clemson. They're sitting at three and O in the number one yep. spot, North Carolina, you know, Mac Brown is a legendary Texas Longhorn coach. He's really done some pretty amazing things at North Carolina. A lot of people yep. thought when he left Texas, he would be done coaching and move into a talking head role with the, sports broadcast company but he jumped back in with north carolina they're ranked number five they're three and oh and might i interject real quick but the fact that he's doing that with a basketball school is actually pretty ridiculous so good for Macron. Yeah. yeah that's a big accomp accomplishment and the other storyline obviously with the acc is notre dame who has for a long time always been an independent school not affiliated with any particular conference has yep. joined the ACC they're also sitting at number four right now two and oh 
So the ACC looks pretty strong. You have three of the top five teams is pretty unheard of. So the odds are one of those three is going to be a really strong contender for a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah. The big 10 is in a similar spot as the PAC 12, a little bit late to the game. I still think that they'll likely end up with a nine or a 10 game season. Ohio state has really owned that conference hard to predict anything else to be different. Penn state, Michigan will kind of give them a run for their money, but I think it's fair to assume at this point, one of those three schools is going to have a good season and probably take a, a second spot in the college football playoff. Yeah. I think big 10 it's, it's eight games plus the, plus the ninth week, basically just like the pac 12, but it's it, instead of six and seven, it'll be th- eight, and nine. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's eight, eight conference games. And then the ninth week, just like the pac 12 is doing is the championship week where obviously there's the championship and then the two, twos play each other in each each side of the the conference each division of the conference um pac-12 is doing something something uh extremely similar with with uh their seventh week yep and so you keep going down the list the powerhouse of the sec is where things start to get pretty interesting you look at the lay of the land right now and there's only two undefeated teams it's alabama and georgia and next week there's only going to be one undefeated team because they play each other mm-hmm. and because they're in the different divisions, the East and the West within the SEC, they'll likely be on another collision course for how many years in a row, a Georgia and Alabama SEC championship. So mm-hmm. one of those teams will likely get the third spot. And then where things get really interesting and where I think this conversation will ultimately boil down in terms of where the PAC 12 fits into the college football playoff is the big 12 which has been an absolute cannibalization that we usually see within the pac 12 just say how it is they've shit the bed absolutely i mean you look at the blue bloods in that conference you think of oklahoma texas tcu maybe not blue blood but they've been a very strong program baylor's been a strong program all of them have one loss oklahoma has two texas has two so they're already out There's no chance sitting at the top of the conference is Iowa state, Kansas state and Oklahoma state. They all have state in their school name. Like that should tell you something (laughs) about big 12. So the chances of them having a strong conference champion are extremely small. I think it's for sure going to be a one loss, potentially two loss champion there. And so the conversation begins with, again, you know, the Pac-12 has to have a team that's undefeated, 7-0. and We can dive into that. Connor, I'd like to get your thoughts on who might be able to pull that off within the Pac-12. But for that fourth spot in the college football playoff, you're looking at choosing between, you know, hypothetically a 7-0 and Pac-12 team versus a likely two-loss champion from the Big 12. What do you think? Yeah, There's a I chance. mean... Yeah, you you convinced me a little bit again. Like we like we said, we talked off mic before before this, and uh, I was pretty skeptical. But Sam brings up some pretty good points. Um, I mean, look, the the Big Twelve. It, this all revolves around the Big Twelve, really, um, and uh, the fact that they the the power teams in that conference basically all have two losses um, already. 
in three weeks. So that's that's not good. Not um, good. Yeah. So I mean, the Big Twelve is is uh, doing what the Pac twelve typically does in a regular year um, in this whole cannibalization aspect that Sam alluded to earlier. Um, so I mean, it it's certainly possible. Uh, I mean, I think if you're looking at any of the Pac twelve teams right now, it's it's still an uphill battle. I would say uh, there's not many. Pac-12 teams, I feel like that could go undefeated. Oregon's the most obvious one. Nope. Um, that nope. could, but I nope. Not possible. <laughs> I tend to agree. Uh, but you have to. I mean, you have to look at some of these other teams that you know have some returning players uh, that have some talent. You know, Cal Cal is one of those teams that stands out to me as well in the North. Um, Justin Wilcox, a former defensive coordinator for the Huskies, has done a really good job turning that program back around again. Um, they have an experienced quarterback with Chase Garbers, a really, really talented defense. Um, so, I mean, they could definitely make some noise in the conference. And, and who um, do they play week one again? They play us. Yes. UW. Yeah, yours, yours and truly the UW Huskies. Uh, really hoping that Cal isn't running the table because obviously that would – that would mean bad things for the Huskies uh, because, uh, yeah, we played them week one. In the South, uh, USC is probably the favorite this year, mostly just because of talent. Um, I'm also looking at ASU, uh, again, returning quarterback uh, that showed some some glimpses of of, uh, of hope for them last year. So I think he could he could possibly do some things for them. His name is eluding me right now. What what what's the quarterback? Name? Yeah, the quarterback for ASU. Yeah, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty talented kid. Um super, super mobile and um kind of a big play threat almost every play. Yep. Um, I think the thing that'll be interesting there is, you know, his freshman and sophomore seasons have been pretty prolific. Um, mm-hmm. but he's also had some damn good wide receivers. And Keel Harry is playing for the Patriots on Sundays. Brandon Ayuk is playing for the San Francisco 49ers North, on Niners. Sundays. Yep. So we'll see. I, I, I agree with you. I think Arizona state is a dark horse in the South. Herm Edwards has done a hell of a job. I mean, I think that was a hire that was, you know, laughed about a little bit, but he's proven the doubters wrong. They've been a strong team. Um, yeah. I think looking at the South, I, I would say there's probably, really four teams that could realistically pull it off, maybe Mm -hmm. six. Mm -hmm. I think you hit Cal. I think UW has an outside chance as a Homer biased opinion. I think we have an outside chance. Oregon has a chance in the South. I think it's like you said, Arizona state has a chance. USC probably has one of the more talented rosters, even though their, their coaching staff is a complete zoo. And then the antithesis of that is Utah. Kyle Whittingham's been there forever. They've always been a tough, you know, run the ball, possession-oriented offense, strong defense. They can absolutely make some noise as well. So I think between those six teams is going to be the conference champion, and there's a lot of unknowns out there, and it'll be fun to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I'm – I'm hoping the Huskies surprise me a bit this year. I'm not. I'm. I'm really expecting them probably to 
be the second or third team probably in the north uh this year um but you know i mean there's there's still a lot of young talent on this team as as sam was saying earlier uh when we were talking about some of the as far as just like where where the the bulk of this roster is at right now um it's heavily uh heavily favoring the freshmen's the redshirt freshmen uh and the sophomores um so uh it'll be interesting to see 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 how that all shakes out um kind of going back to to jimmy lake now and talking about how young this roster is uh do you see a lot of younger guys getting some shots this year um i mean jimmy lake's historically been a guy that's given young young guys some opportunities in the position groups that he's that he's been focused in you know with especially defensive backs you've seen UW, you know, DBU for the last five or six years since Jimmy Lake's been a big part of that. Um, do you see him taking that approach with the rest of the roster now that he's head coach? Or do you think that, I mean, that was kind of just a talent thing within the defensive backs? No, I, I mean, I think it'll always be a, a talent-driven decision the best player should always play. But I think 100% Jimmy Lake will take that mentality across the entire team. And I think where you can see that more so than anywhere was, you know, as part of the coaching transition, Jimmy Lake fired two offensive coaches. When he became head coach, he fired the offensive coordinator, Bush Hamden, and our tight ends coach, Jordan Pow Pow. And, you know, one of the biggest knocks on, the offensive staff was the amazing, talented young players that we've seen that were highly touted out of high school that didn't get the snaps on the offensive side of the ball that you would expect somebody as highly regarded as somebody like Apuka Nokua or, you know, feeding the ball to somebody like Richard Newton earlier, um, getting some of the younger, you know, really the, the argument was honed in on the wide receivers, Puka Nakua, Marcus Spiker, Austin Osborne, highly, highly regarded recruits that just for one reason or another never seemed to get their chance when the lights came on on Saturday. And so I think, you know, if you go back and listen to the things that were important to Jimmy Lake in his offensive coordinator search was a more simple and easy to digest offense. And that was one of the things, you know, I'll never knock Chris Peterson. He's a hall of fame coach. He, I, I think he was prolific in many ways, but the one knock that I think started, you know, creeping up in more and more conversations was that his offense was too complicated, too difficult for a young player to come in and pick it up quick enough to know what they're supposed to do on a particular play all and the trick plays all the trick plays once you're inside the 35 yard line trick play sometimes they work sometimes they don't more often than not they did but to more directly answer your question i think it was really obvious as part of jimmy lake's offensive coordinator search that he was looking for someone that would still have a pro style multiple formation offense that was a bit more easy to digest so that when playmakers come into the program, 
be it freshmen or redshirt freshmen, they're able to plug and play a bit more. And knowing that that's something that he emphasized on his coaching hires, I would be so very, very surprised even in a normal year to not see some of the young players like a Jalen McMillan or a Romo Dunze or a JV on Sunday. I think the offensive players are going to get a lot of looks and playing time that we're not used to seeing on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and then again, kind of talking about the landscape of college football in 2020, given it's a free year of eligibility, they're not going to have to deal with the concerns of burning a red shirt. And so I, I do anticipate that Jimmy Lake will be a lot more um, aggressive in terms of getting those young playmakers some experience early on early on in their career which I think is pivotal when those players become juniors and seniors and may or may not be the star of their position group but if they have playing experience for you know three or four solid years those role players are what separate the men from the boys in the world of college football come November December and the bowl games well said. Yeah. Uh, and as we were talking about earlier, just like with the way that the roster is um, and how young it is, I think he's going to be kind of forced to play a lot of young guys just in general, right? Like, I mean, there's there's a ton of redshirt freshmen this year that are pro that's probably the biggest part of the roster if you were to break it up into sections as far as like freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, like, yeah, Everyone, I, think, it, I think the majority ahead. of our roster are redshirt freshmen or redshirt sophomores. So second and third year in the program is yep. the meat of our roster. And so we're going to see a lot of new names, new faces, new playmakers. Um, and it'll be fun season to kind of get familiar with them. And really, I think come 2021, 2022, you're going to have a very deep, talented, extremely competitive Husky football team in the grand scheme of things on a national level. You hear that? Be excited, Husky fans. The future is very, very bright under Jimmy Lake. Yeah, big time. No matter how this year goes. I, I think Sam's a little bit higher on this year than I am. Um, but, you know, I mean, they've surprised me before. It's not like whenever they went to the college football playoff, I was expecting that that year right like listen here's the deal here's what, the eight deal. and six or seven and six the year before to college and football playoff in, in the college football playoff so here's the deal here's the deal i'm i like to consider myself a student of the game you can even look at somebody like pete carroll and the seattle seahawks our super bowl runs there is a formula to success in winning games it is controlling the time of possession, being able to run the ball, give your defense rest, and when your defense is on the field, they get third and out, three and outs, they get stops, they keep the other team from scoring, or they score the ball themselves. And when you look at this roster, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I think we're going to have an All-American quarterback. That's just not going to happen. But you look at the roster we have, bulldozers for offensive linemen that are all 6'5", 330. They can move people. 
we have very proven capable running backs and we have a defense that was young last year, took a step back, perhaps you got Pete Kwiatkowski, who I would argue is probably a better, more proven defensive coordinator than Jimmy Lake ever was moving back into the DC role. And so I think the reason why I'm perhaps more bullish on the season than you might be is I think we will be able to run the ball effectively control the time of possession. And I think our defense is going to win us games, whether we run the table or not, I'm not sure, but I would be shocked if we don't win more games than we lose because of that. Yeah. And I mean, it, you make, you make really good points. Um, the, the biggest thing that I can't get over is just how much turnover there's going to be. You're gonna have a lot of inexperience on the field. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it, we've talked about this already with the way that the recruiting has gone over the last two or three years, the athleticism and the size of this team is much, much improved from three or four years ago. And it's noticeable. All these guys, you know, you got softy, you got Kim Reynolds, you got all the dog man guys talking about the size of this team like every spring and every fall camp over the past two or three years and how it's increased um, and just the, the general athleticism. And that's something that really works well in college football. Um, so it's, it's exciting, man. I mean, I, I, I think no matter what we're going to be in for a really exciting year, just because it's going to be entertaining as hell. I mean, we got college football back, so that's that's entertaining. Amen. Itself, but Whew. I was really but, worried I for mean, my mental health this fall without Husky football. Was, but yeah, I mean, Seahawks Seahawks can get me by, but man, I mean, well, Sam and I are dire dire dog fans. We are so, dogs. Yeah, we were we were back barking for Sark, you know, all 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 that good stuff. So oh yeah, um, yeah, man. So I I think we're probably gonna wrap here pretty soon. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we kind of head that direction? No, I think that's a, I think that's a good kind of intro. Um, hopefully we touched high level on a couple of topics that might pique your interest. We'd love to hear from you, um, what you might like to see us dive into into more details, but I know Connor and I are both. Yeah. (laughs) Mom, if you're listening. Uh, I'm not sure that she follows Husky football like I do. So maybe I'll call on dad for that one. <laughs> there you I go. Know, I know he was a big fan of the blog posts back in the day. So daddy, Sam, if you're out there, let us know Love what you, you want to hear. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think that hit on the major topics and I know I can speak for you, Connor. Um, when I say that we're both super excited about this podcast and getting some Husky football talk out there on the waves for everybody um and you know it was hard for me to practice some restraint not to dive right into position group battles um you know individual players that i'm really excited about that you may not have heard about um and so i think in the upcoming episodes those are some things that we're looking forward to diving into a lot more of the the juicy details uh, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm really excited to start looking at this roster a little bit in more detail um, and breaking down depth charts and all that type of stuff, uh, position by position. 
So that's that's going to be one of the the big things that we're going to be focusing on um, in the league in the weeks leading up to the season. Uh, November seventh, by the way, is the first game uh, against Cal. We don't know time yet, but we should find that out probably in the next week, maybe two, is my guess. Uh, I know that the Big Ten just announced the times for their first games, which are next weekend. So. Um, not, I guess not this, this coming weekend, but the weekend after. So about two weeks out is probably when we should hear on, on, yep. on times. Um, and yeah, very excited for this college football season. Um, we're, we're going to look at position groups. Like I said, um, in coming episodes, we're going to do some player spotlights. Um, just kind of like a, maybe like even like a, like a countdown top 10 or top five top 15, 20 players that we think are going to make a big impact this season. Um, there's some, there's a lot of intrigue though. I will say in, in these position group battles, just like I said earlier, there's, there's going to be a lot of turnover on this roster and you're going to, you're going to see some names that you have, don't recognize that are going to play some big roles for the team this year. Um, and a lot of them are probably going to be pleasant surprises for many of you, uh, many of you guys out there. Um, we also want to do probably like a segment that maybe focuses on some of the uh, pro dogs, the, some of the, some of the dogs in the NFL. Um, we can talk real quick, I guess, just to name a few. I know Miles Gaskin had a really good week this last week for the Miami Dolphins in a big, big win over the 49ers. Seattle Smacked sports them. fan. Smacked them. Fuck the Niners. <laughs> yep. So that was, that was all gas man there. Uh, so all gas, yeah, gas, all gas, no breaks, all gas, no breaks. That's right. Um, had his first touchdown of the season. I think he had like 90 some yard yards from scrimmage. So, uh, solid week for, for Gaskin. I know Sidney Jones had an interception, um, for the Jaguars. Yep. He was just elevated, just elevated to the active roster. First week out there gets a pick. I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Buddha Baker, highest paid safety in the league, all pro arguably one is, of the best he is coming playing, back from an injury uh well yeah he's coming back from not only an injury surgery surgery yeah. last week so he's playing with a yep. club on one of his hands i think he had some torn ligaments in his thumb but he came back i think led his team with tackles with 10 plus tackles buddha's just an absolute beast out there on the field um sad news related to vita vea he was coming on started to be one of the more talked about nose tackles, interior defensive linemen. He was starting to carve out his place in the NFL. Sounds like he ended up with a broken ankle, which will end his season, unfortunately. Um, will Disley coming back from injury, you know, First torn meniscus two years ago, torn Achilles last year. He came back on a nice wheel route. Russell hit him and right in stride for a touchdown. I mean, the list goes on. You can't watch an NFL game these days and not catch a pro dog making things happen. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to see some of these guys develop into NFL players and NFL stars, even with, with the case, with, especially with like Buda Baker. Um, I mean, you have to argue that Buddha's Buddha's the one that changed the direction of this program, you know, under Coach Pete. That was his first recruit. Yeah, like, as that, far that as was... like him, him switching over. Cause yep. he was, he, he was committed to Oregon before. Is that correct? Yep. yep. He was committed to Oregon. We hired Chris Buck Peterson. Oregon. Yeah. Can't handle the ducks, man. They need to go back to where they belong. That's at the bottom of the pack. 
Um, but yeah, he was committed to Oregon. We hired Chris Peterson probably late December, early January. And Chris Peterson had less than a month hit the trail and had good conversations with Buddha Baker, you know, hometown hero from Bellevue high school. And, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons for the older listeners out there. When Don James got here, there was a local high school running back from Bishop Blanchett, Joe Steele, who had national recognition. And Joe Steele has always kind of been regarded as the most important recruit of the Don James era, because that was Don James first recruit that really established him as putting up fences around the state and landing the big fish and similarly, Chris Peterson landing Buda Baker in less than a month, prying him away from our bitter rivals down south, um, really spearheaded the recruiting. And it's awesome to see Buda carry that torch even further on and making a name for himself and the UW program on Sundays in the NFL. No doubt. It's, it was a, that was a huge talent for Peterson to get his hands on um, early in his tenure. And, um, yeah, he never really looked back from that, that moment. And, um, the program has been elevated to super high expectations like they were in the Don James era at this point. Um, so again, very excited for this season to get going. Uh, obviously there was a huge doubt in my mind that it was ever going to happen. Um, so the fact that we're going to have some Husky football in, in 2020 is, is pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, with that, we're going to, we're going to wrap. Uh, we want to hear from you guys though, what you guys want to hear, um, from us or rather, uh, what we should talk about. Um, like I said, we're already, we're already planning on doing position group, uh, outlooks for all the major positions, um, for Husky football. Uh, we're going to do some player spotlights and we'll probably do some, um, some spotlights on some pro dogs as well. Uh, but anything else that you guys want to hear about before games start, uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, so I believe there should be some kind of voice message that you can leave us. You can leave us questions. You can leave us comments. You can leave us criticism. We're open to all. It's our first podcast, people, so please be nice. Yeah. And um, if, you can't, if you can't figure that stuff out, most of you listeners at this point in the early stages of the podcast know Connor and I personally text us, call us. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know your thoughts for sure. No doubt. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap. Thanks for your, uh, tuning in. Um, and until next time, go dogs. Go dogs. Oh, no.